I've already said that we are seeking to understand from this passage something of our failures as well as Jesus' faithfulness. Well, let's first of all look and focus in on the disciples' failures. You see, by this point, they've already accepted that one of their number is going to betray them. That's kind of a given now. We've seen that already just before this in this passage. And yet, they're in for a huge shock. Because Jesus now is going to say to them, not just one of you is going to betray me, but actually all of you are going to flee and leave. All of you are going to leave and forsake me. You see that there in verse 31? Jesus told them, you will all fall away because of me this night. And it's as if they are completely deaf to what Jesus goes on to say. Because Jesus says about his resurrection. But they're deaf to that. All they hear is they're all going to fail. And they did what I guess all of us tend to do. You know, when someone says something to us uh, about our failings. It wasn't me. Or I wouldn't do that. No, 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 no. You don't really know me. I would never do that. Well, that's what they do, isn't it? Immediately they try to defend themselves. And indeed, Peter takes the lead. Listen to what he says. Though they will all fall away, I can imagine him, we don't know from the scriptures, but I'd imagine him pointing to, his, to the other disciples. Look, Jesus, you know, they might fall away. I won't. I've got it sussed. I've got it right. I'm not going to fail. And of course, they all say the same. I will never fall away. And then, despite uh, Jesus then foretelling Peter that he will disown him three times uh, before the night is over, Peter thoroughly, uh, uh, clearly states his conviction. Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples essentially said, we're not going to fail. We're, we're, we're good, thank you very much. We will never fail. And I have no doubt that Peter and the others genuinely meant these words. But they were already in danger. You see, the moment we think that we are never going to falter or fail is the very moment we lay ourselves open to the evil one and we become prone to fall. Is it the scripture says? Proud, uh, pride comes before a fall. And it's because we think we, we're, we're, we're too good to fall. And Jesus has to say to them, look, you are in a, you are all going to fail, every one of you. I mean, it's as if they were saying to Jesus, look, you don't know us. It's as if they were saying to Jesus, I know you've never been wrong before, but you're wrong now. I mean, the arrogance of that. But Jesus knew his disciples better than they knew. And I love this passage of, of God's word because I see something of my own pride in this. I always think that's because I'm a pastor, I'm somehow above being able to, to fall. But that's just not true. All of us are prone to sin, prone to leave the God we love, as that hymn that we sung just, just tells us. 
And friends, you are always in a dangerous position when you refuse to accept that you might fall and you might falter in your faith. Well, it's only a short time and we start to see the disciples' failure. Come with me to the garden. Here we see Jesus uh, there in a place called Gethsemane. He took three of his disciples with him. And Jesus recognises that he is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Now, now get this. Jesus senses this huge pressure upon him. And he chooses not to go alone. He chooses the strength of his brothers with him. It's an amazing thought. Jesus was wise. He took others to pray with him. Although they weren't directly in the garden, they were only just a stone's throw away, they were meant to be praying with him. But instead of praying, what do we see them doing? Snoozing. They were, they were snoozing rather than seeking God. And despite... Peter saying, I will never deny you or fall away. Despite James and John saying that we will drink the cup that you, that, that, that you drink, Jesus. Already they are failing. Well, Jesus finds them asleep. He wakes them up. He obviously rebukes them. Uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But then he goes away. He prays again and he finds them snoozing again. And on the third time, they're still asleep, so he wakes them up. And at this time, the guards come, and Peter, we know it's Peter from the other Gospels, but uh, Peter comes, he grabs the sword, and he tries to defend Jesus. He did say, even if all leave you, I will die with you. Didn't he say that? And he's willing, he's really willing. But he's forgotten what Jesus said. Jesus said he had to die. Jesus said he had to go through this, that the scriptures may be fulfilled. You see, Peter is failing. And yes, Jesus heals the man and uh, rebukes Peter. And yet by the end of the passage, the disciples have all fled, just as Jesus said. And then we have one who isn't even truly a disciple. Here we have Judas. Judas, a man who did great things because he followed Jesus. And yet here we see him denying Jesus. Well, not just denying Jesus, betraying Jesus with a kiss. But there's a little clue in the text, just not in this section, but just before, as to... Where, where Judas truly stands. Because round the Lord's table, as we call it, each of them say, am I going to betray you, Lord? Is it I? But Judas says, Rabbi, is it I? You see, Judas, at this point, is no longer calling Jesus Lord. Jesus, uh, Judas has continued to reject his saviour and ultimately it's because he is not trusting in Jesus there is no lordship here and so before we move on 
we need to search our own hearts. This evening, are we willing to call Jesus our Lord? Because that is something that Judas was unwilling to do. But we also need to search our hearts because is there continued sin in our lives? A continued rejection of the God who loves us. For the disciples, they failed. And if you see failure in your life this evening, in your Christian walk, well, you're in good company because the disciples failed as well. So, before we look at the hope in this passage, we need to have a look at Jesus. Because here we see Jesus' faithfulness. While the disciples all left, denied him, rejected him, even if only one of them was terminal, here we see, in sharp contrast, Jesus' faithfulness. And Jesus is willing to submit to the scriptures. Did you see that theme as we read that? Look at verse 31, 39, 42, 56. Throughout the passage, he is alluding or quoting scriptures. The scriptures must be fulfilled. I must suffer. Now Jesus knew, and we have no time to look at any of these references, but Jesus knew that the scriptures had to be fulfilled. The scriptures that not only speak, spoke of his great victory, because the scriptures do, but speak of the victory that had to come through suffering. And Jesus knew the depths of the suffering he would have to endure. Think of that cup. That cup that Jesus refers to here in that garden. That cup is referring to the cup of God's wrath. The cup that his people were drinking. But now Jesus knows he needs to drink it to the very dregs. The cup of the anger that his people deserved. Jesus was going to take it on their behalf. Jesus knew what was involved in suffering. And you get that in the garden, don't you? You see him. If there's any other way, take this cup of suffering away from me. But he is praying. And he's praying for strength that he will submit to his father. And the Lord answers. His father answers, of course. And he is faithful. He is faithful to the end. And yet, through all of this, Jesus is not cold or lacking in humility. No, he knows exactly what that suffering is going to endure. But he is willing to trust his father. No wonder he sweat drops of blood. But he was willing to trust his father and so jesus obediently goes to the cross for his people for failures what does this mean for us well just a few points let's have a look at hope and strength we've seen of course that matthew is focusing in uh, on jesus fulfilling the scriptures and submitting to his father but the reason why Jesus is doing this is because 
in his obedience, failures like disciples can be forgiven, can be restored. Isn't that amazing? So as we search our own hearts and see failure after failure, even this week perhaps you've been overwhelmed by your, your struggles and your failings. There is one who was faithful and remains forever faithful. The Lord Jesus Christ. We fell, but he never failed. And there is just a wonderful glimpse of this forgiveness in this passage. Did you notice it in verse 32? Notice this. After I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Now, he said he would, raise, uh, he would uh, be risen before. So in a sense, this is nothing new. He said it at least three times before. But what is new is this addition, I will go before you to Galilee. Because here is the personal assurance to his failing disciples. You will all fall away, but I'm going to come for you. And this is not going to be the end of the road. And for us today, we can know something of that rich forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering far away from God, and to rescue me from danger, shed for me his precious blood. That's the good news. Hope for failures. Whether you have failed him once, which I don't think any of us have, uh, we have all failed him many, many more times. Jesus' blood covers you from all wrong. Maybe you are overwhelmed with your failures and your sins. Keep looking to the cross. Keep looking to Jesus. Because it is at the cross your sins are forgiven. But this passage gives strength for failures as well. Hope and strength. Look at verse 41. Because Jesus here gives us a way to find strength when we feel our weakness. Can you see it there? Verse 41. Jesus sees, sees that their spirit is indeed willing that's a lovely phrase, isn't it? I know that you mean well. Your heart's in the right place, we might say today. You know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so he tells these closest of his disciples to watch and pray. Notice this, so that they do not fall into temptation. They are to be ever alert to their dangers and to seek God in prayer. This evening, as we pray, let us ask the Lord to help us with our every weakness. Maybe we can't confess them publicly, but you still need to confess them. And you still need to ask God for strength. Why not do that together this evening? Asking God for help to strengthen us. That we may indeed say no to sin and yes to the way of obedience as we rest upon the Spirit.
because the Spirit is indeed willing to help us. Because he has, God has given us his Spirit so that we can say no to sin and yes to God. And we can pray because Jesus is our faithful high priest. Isn't that the case? That is why we can pray. Here are a few verses from Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. You all know these, these verses well, I'm sure. Probably shared at many a prayer meeting. Since we therefore have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise, here it is, with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find help in our time of need. I said that we're in good company this evening as failures. But we come to one who was tempted in every way as we are. And yet never sinned. And it is him, he, that we are to approach. And it is he who indeed answers us by his spirit. Whatever you're going through, others might not understand, but Jesus does. And he feels sympathy for our every weakness. Prayer is not reeling off a prayer list. It is seeking to find strength and enjoyment in the living God. I remember there was an old hymn. Perhaps you can correct me if I misquote it, but Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. Why does he tremble? Because prayer is weakness resting upon omnipotence. All-powerful. God being all-powerful. But there's just one more thing. One more huge help here. Did you notice that Jesus, the great Messiah, he took others with him to pray. And we need one another to pray. This is why we come out to a prayer meeting. I know, talking to those who are watching us on the holiday perhaps, or who are, who are ill, I appreciate you can't always come to the meeting. But this is why it's so important to come together, isn't it, when we can, so that we can encourage one another. We can pray together. So as we pray... May the Lord indeed help us and strengthen us and may we increasingly be the people that the Lord wants us to be. And although we may falter and fail, Jesus is interceding for us so that we can be faithful, not because of anything in us, but because of Jesus. On that note, may I hand over to yourself, Paul. Thank you.